I'm Claire. And I'm Emma. Welcome to Rich Text, a podcast about our cultural obsessions, like extremely charming and handsome sociopathic serial killers, which we love. We love them. Yeah. I think Penn Badgley we would love. support how much we just love Joe Goldberg. Hello, you. We're here today to talk about part one of season four of the Netflix show, You which stars Penn Badgley as the previously mentioned charming serial killer, Joe Goldberg, who I want to say Penn Badgley has been repeatedly on the record as saying he does not want people to like, and he's very disturbed that people like Joe. So I want to be clear, (laughs) Penn, don't worry. We know that Joe sucks. Watching this season, I was truly just like, no one could pull off this role other than Penn Badgley. It is so perfect. I really love this show. And this season is split into two sections. The first half of the season dropped on February 9th. So we are only going to focus on those episodes. Don't worry. No spoilers for the half that comes out March 9th. We will be doing a second episode on those episodes when they drop. So this season comes on the heels of season three, of course. For those who have forgotten, Joe was... Married to Love Quinn, another serial killer from a wealthy, prominent family in California. And their marriage went bad because he just doesn't approve of murder, except when he's doing it. And so he killed Love and gave away their child to a couple he knew and fled. He faked faked his his own own death. death. Yes. He like left his toe in the house before burning it down so that it would appear that love had done a murder suicide on him. And so he has now fled to Europe in pursuit of his new object of desire, Marianne, the librarian in the town where he and love lived. So I think that I expected this season to be Joe in Paris, just stalking Marianne. And they do a bit of a twist on us. By the time we come to see Joe, he's actually in London, working a new job under a new identity. I think we were all wondering, is this season just going to be a return to original form? There was some real character development, and it was a real twist and change up to have him matched with someone who was so similar to him, someone Mm -hmm. who seemed like his true match in love. And it was kind of like, where do you go from here? Like they have upped the ante in this way. Are we just going to see him stalking Marianne? Yeah, stalking another beautiful, artsy, innocent woman. Yeah. Uh, Is going to start to get old. And we learn very quickly that no, that's not the case. Because what we saw at the end of last season has already drastically changed. Joe is not in Paris. He's in London. He's working as an American literature professor at the fictional Darcy College, filmed at Royal Holloway, the University of London. And he, as he does, gets immediately embroiled into a high-flying, extremely wealthy social circle. He's always (laughs) embroiled in a high-flying, extremely wealthy social circle. It just... The brand changes depending on his location. Yeah, there's something about him that the wealthy are both suspicious of and profoundly drawn to. And so he always ends up in these circles and yet an outsider who's always been given the side eye. So he gets into this circle by way of a fellow professor at Darcy College, Malcolm. Malcolm is 
basically a member of the aristocracy whose sort of respectable hobby is being an English professor. Yes. Which is really the only way that most people can afford to be English professors these days. So Malcolm's girlfriend, Kate, a gallerist, a very smart and ambitious gallerist, Malcolm lived near Joe. So Joe knows Kate a little bit by sight. He sees her getting mugged basically by a group of people on the street and he saves her. And out of gratitude, Malcolm invites Joe to a wild night out at an exclusive members only club, Sundry House. And after meeting all of his terrible rich friends and consuming a lot of just like legit absinthe, like the kind that gives you hallucinations, Joe wakes up back at his flat with Malcolm dead on his kitchen table with a knife in his chest. And so, of course, Joe immediately is like, oh, shit, I murdered Malcolm. Don't remember doing that. What the fuck happened? He does his thing, dismembers the body, disposes of it. He's an expert. Yeah. He's like, I don't enjoy this, but I know the ropes. I know the ropes of the murder and hiding the murder. But then he starts receiving mysterious texts via an encrypted messaging app. And he realizes that he isn't the only serial killer in this town. There is someone killing the rich and trying to frame him. And Joe is suddenly the unlikely detective at the center of a classic murder mystery. It all sounds a little bit far-fetched. It's not really the, the typical plot that we have for Joe. It's almost like they've shifted genres. Like, it is a whodunit. And they make this very explicit through Joe's inner dialogue and also through his friendship with his student, Nadia, who loves whodunits. And so Joe realizes, like, oh, my God, I'm in a whodunit. Like, I'm supposed to figure <laughs> out who committed this murder that I'm being framed for. That's so cheesy. Whodunits are so formulaic. They're not really literature. But I guess I have to study up on them to figure out how to solve this crime. And... Nadia helps him, lending her expertise of whodunits. She's like a frame job, kind of an arch conceit, but if done well, (laughs) it can be great. She's like, the most important thing is the first suspect is always the second victim. And he's like, no, no, just one violent murder and no more murders after that. And she's like, aren't you writing a novel? Like, I feel (laughs) like you could switch that up. So there is this whole world built around him, you know, around this central core to the plot joe is teaching this class like iconoclast of american short fiction and getting to know these students especially nadia who like him comes from a sort of hard scrabble background and now she's in this elevated setting and so there is a bit of an affinity between them and he also is starting to feel this romantic pull towards kate malcolm's girlfriend he also is getting really drawn into this group of Malcolm's friends, which includes Kate. It also includes this man, Reese Montrose, who, again, is someone from this hard scrabble background who has arisen to be in these elite circles. And he is sort of Joe's like one point of brotherhood in this group. He sees himself in Reese. Reese is literary. He wrote a really good memoir about growing up very poor in this abusive background and then finding out that he's actually the son of a duke and, you know, going to Oxford and being introduced into this really wealthy elite circle. 
And Reese has very progressive politics. He wants to run for mayor of London and sort of use his power to help the poor and, and the people that he knows from his own childhood. Also, we also do find out in pieces what happened to Marianne because as we know we left off last season with Joe arriving in Paris looking for her and mm-hmm. we learn early on that he did in fact find her before we get into our new cast of characters should we talk about what happened to Marianne yeah we don't find out much I mean it's really mostly like a bridge to where he is now He goes to Paris, he wanders the streets, he finally sees a piece of art being sold by a vendor on the street that he recognizes as Marianne's style, asks where he can find her, and the person manning the stall says she's in London for an art festival. So of course, he books it right there, and and just spends days wandering around this art fair until Longest art fair in history. Does find her. Yeah. He finds her at the art fair and approaches her, and she is obviously terrified of him. She immediately flees because he's a sociopathic serial killer. He's like, I'm not going to hurt you. And she's like, you killed my ex-husband and your wife, clearly, because you're not dead. And that means you killed her, right? And he's like, ah, don't worry about that. You're different. I would never kill you. So she flees. And soon after, he is found by a fixer and assassin who works for the Quinn family, who are very powerful and wealthy. And he's like, look, I've been sent to kill you, but I don't want to kill any more people. He's like, I just want money. Joe, I guess, had emptied out a bank account, Love's bank account, before setting up the murder-suicide. And so this this fixer- by the way. Yeah. Right? I mean, I suspect that's what the Quinn family clocked on to. Yeah. And so this fixer, Elliot, is like, you pay me, I'll tell Love's father that you're dead and I'll set you up with a new identity because I can just do those things. Yeah. But you do have to kill Marianne. Because she saw you. She knows She you're saw alive. you. She knows you're alive. Yeah. So he gets these papers. He is now Jonathan Moore. He went to Columbia he can get any job he's his resume is that good and i'm like if you want him to disappear into the crowd you probably shouldn't give him the pedigree to do whatever he wants like (laughs) this is a sort of possibly visible position to put him in but okay he can do whatever with his degree from columbia so joe sets off to intercept marianne at the train station because this is the last thing he needs to do to ensure his own safety But he doesn't want to kill Marianne. She is his love object. And so instead, he pushes her down at the station and steals her locket and sends a picture of it to the fixer to prove that he has done the job. Marianne goes back to Paris to where she is living with her daughter. And Joe stays in London and starts his new life. And he's like, this is my, my big romantic gift to Marianne is saving her life from me and yeah, now he's like, I'm, he's like I'm he's he's determined to turn over a new leaf yeah as he's Joe like, is often determined to do he's like this was my big gesture to show you Marianne that I'm not the killer you think I am and he's like no more killing no more love I'm not focused on that anymore I'm just focused on Great American literature. Great American literature. Ted Chang, Edgar Allan Poe, you know, 
iconoclast of the American short story. And he disappears into what you would think would be Joe's like ideal life teaching fiction, American fiction to these really studious English students. He's just like obsessed with how the British like actually read books and they care for their books. They're not like Americans who just buy books and then just like, I don't know, leave them out and don't read them and also dog ear them, which is unacceptable. They're both not reading and also heavily dog earing their books. And so he's just like living his best life. Until he is until until, until a man just ends up knifed on his kitchen table. You just listened to a free preview of this week's Rich Text podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to listen to the rest of this week's podcast and our entire Rich Text back catalog, you can become a paying subscriber at clarendemma.substack.com. If not, you can still enjoy our free weekly recommendations. Rich Text is hosted, produced, and edited by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray. You can find the written version of Rich Text at clareandemma.substack.com. You can find us on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod, and you can find our other podcast, Love to See It, over at Stitcher and wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on TikTok and Twitter at Love to See It Pod. You can also find us individually at Claire E. Fallon and at Emma Lady Rose. Thanks for listening.